0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Loose Ends. I'm Cece. I'm Val. And today we want to talk a little bit about a topic that is also sometimes a sensitive one. Last week, I referred to landmines out there in the real world— topics that often set us off. You know, I think we've referred to sex and money was what uh, we were talking about and religion. uh, Taxes, death. (laughs) Uh, Well, grief is another one of those topics that can be difficult to enter into. And so the reason we're choosing this as the topic this week is because some stuff occurred for Val, and I'm going to let her tell you. A little bit about why grief is on our landscape right now.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, I oh, think you're welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, so formal.
1: I've, well, I've I've had a I've had an interesting week. My nieces lost their father on you know in the middle of January, and there was a funeral. The, a couple days ago, and this uh, brought up some issues, not issues for me, but just a lot of feelings. feelings. There was a lot of feels sure. going on, you know, and <laughs> uh, it just brought to light some really important things that I thought would be good to talk about, and I think it deserves a backstory. Okay. My mother had a stroke and a heart attack back in 2018. And from 2018—and then, of course, we go right into COVID—and I am the sole t- caretaker of her—and me, for that matter—and our household and everything. Um, and I, I don't have any help from my siblings. One is, like, three hours away. The other is in B.C. And I'm in Ontario. And it was difficult on me. I was tired. COVID hit. I'm trying to work full time. And anyway, big convoluted long story short, we had decided it was a good idea that we both move to BC so that to I could be with get your brother to be, yeah to live in you know uh, on his property and be able to access his help so that it would give me. A break. Well, here's the thing. She wasn't going to go without me, so it wasn't like I had this option to, you know, start a new life and just send her out there. Okay. So I went and... It was a, a great deal of help because mom got to live in the granny suite of his house and I got to live in a carriage house that was just in the back of the property. So uh, it gave me a... A wee bit of independence a, yeah, that back, you had not back. had for a while. No, I still had to, you know, work and pay my rent and all of those fun aspects of life. Bro bro didn't give you a no, break, No, huh? <laughs> no. This is BC, most expensive province in Canada. No. Woo-hoo. Yes. So So... anyway, then, of course, you know, January hits, and uh, we, you know, have this exciting January planned of all things we're going to do. We buy passes to the gondola in Squamish, mom and I, because we're going to go up there for coffee every week. And then she gets COVID. And I remember it was January 15th, and she was sick for about a week before they actually put her in the hospital. And when they did put her in the hospital, they put her in Vancouver Hospital. So we had to travel like every day. And then so we, we watched the progression. And that's of, an
0: hour away.
1: Yeah. There was those drives back and forth to the hospital. You start to become prepared mm-hmm. because you ask yourself questions like, OK, so she survives COVID. What does life look like after that? You know, she's already had this stroke and a heart attack, and I've been, like, full-time taking care of her. Now, both me and my brother are full-time taking care of her. What does life look like for her after COVID? And you hate to think it, but you almost wish, well, okay, death is a better option. option. And when it came time, my mother was all about making her own choices. And she made the choice. It was a Saturday morning. We got a phone call from the doctor saying, please come down to uh, the hospital. She's about to go into intensive care where you can't see her anymore. And we were like, okay. And she wanted to see us. So here we are, in people, you know, all this. PPE gear and going into the room and PPE uh, gear being protective yeah. as opposed to any diapers. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Hi, and it's we're, my so, coping w- mechanism. We agree. Yeah, we're and so it's just me and my brother in there and. And she very matter-of-factly looks at both of us and says, I'm not getting better. My lungs are at 10%. I can go on a ventilator, and they still won't improve. Most likely, I will die. Being on a ventilator will make my death more difficult, so I've chosen for them to make me comfortable and to go my own way. And we were both sort of like, oh, okay. So, So in all those moments of driving back and forth to Vancouver... wondering what are we going to do and, you know, is death a better choice? Here she is. She's decided. She's decided that this is her choice and she's going to do it. And so my mother passes that following Tuesday. That was a Saturday that we went to see her. The beginning of grief is so strange because as the world is moving on, You just want to scream and go, okay, everybody needs to fucking stop right now and feel whatever the fuck I'm feeling, because I can't handle that everybody's just going on with their lives. Sorry. The ache of other people's normal. Yeah. Which I never recognized before, because I was one of them. Sure. For somebody else. Sure. You know, in their grief. And so I recognize that now. Grief has been such an interesting process for me, and I realize that I missed a few steps. Because of the situation, there were a lot of factors involved. I was in BC. All of my mother's friends were in Ontario. Everybody was scattered. Everybody was scattered. It was COVID. We couldn't do a funeral. So... So you go to this funeral on... The other day, I went to my niece's uh, father's funeral, and they did such a wonderful job. I have to give a shout-out to them because they had Scottish bagpipers, and and, uh, they just did a wonderful job. And what I realized was, as these people went through the lineup talking to my nieces about... Their dad. Their dad. It was like a photograph taken from somebody else's camera that you've never seen before of a loved one. And that is what we missed. We missed that opportunity to hear other people's stories about my mom. And I think that would have been so important in my own grief. Yeah. We didn't have that. And its it's not like... It's a loss to her. She's gone. She's up there, you know, flitting no, around doing It's a loss the to me. It's a loss to me and my sister and my brother and my nieces and all the people that did not get a chance to do that.
0: You know what it feels like? Well, you know, I don't know. I do know what it feels like with my own dad. And it's been 30 plus years, so the the rawness of the loss is not as uh, omnipresent, and I remember being at my mom and dad's house where they had retired in Tennessee after he died and having this moment of, again, song lyrics. Uh, of course, I'm blanking on the song now, but it's it was the idea of that the rest of your life is a long time to live without... A loved one. I was in my 30s, so that felt like a really fucking long time not to have my daddy. Right. You know? Anyway, I'm
1: sorry. I'm kind of interrupting your story. No, I I think it's important to recognize that we we all grieve, and we all grieve in maybe slightly different ways or the same ways.
0: (laughs) I remember what I was going to say and then dropped it. It feels like um, the end of a book, a good book, without the last paragraph. Yeah, without the finishing. Without the finish. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I think in my life with my loved ones in the future, I will never miss that step again. In my life, I can account for two times that I have experienced anxiety, that feeling of, oh, wait a minute, no, 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 something has to change right now. You know, like that, that moment, I, I've, never, I, I've never really experienced it, only twice, and both of them are around grief. And the first was putting my dog down and watching the needle go in and halfway through that needle was in, I just remember thinking in my head, take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back. (laughs) And I couldn't. And that was, like, such a hard moment for me. And then I had it once again in 2017 when the person I considered the love of my life died. And a month after he died, I remember thinking... Okay, take it back. Take it back. Put everything back to normal. Like, it's enough. The joke's over. (laughs) And it, you know, lasted maybe two minutes. And then I settled out of it. But I think that is also, you know, an important aspect of grief that pulls up is that you don't want to believe that it's true. You don't want to believe what you're doing is... The five stages of
0: grief, right? And denial... It yeah. is one of those stages, you know, bargaining, anger, denial, bargaining, uh, what are the others? Uh, acceptance, uh, depression and yeah. acceptance. I don't, I don't think anyone can ever stave off grief when we lose someone we love. Right. I think the best we can do is prepare for the eventuality of it mm-hmm. because that's kind of a given. We're all going to die
1: no matter what, that's where we are.
0: It's a game I play with myself when I'm blessed to remember to play the damn game. (laughs) And the game is pretend I was dying. Pretend I had gotten a cancer diagnosis for nine months. You know, you've got nine months to live. And the reason I play this game is because two of my dear friends died of cancer and both were given diagnoses of bone cancer, get ready, you got metastatic bone cancer, you've got approximately nine months, and they both, well, one got a little bit longer. But anyway, as a result of that, I, I, I started to play this game with myself. How would that change the landscape of my life if I put on a lens that said, I only have nine more months of this, whatever this is in that right. moment? It, I believe that it would, and it did at that time, help me to become more fully present, living in the moment. And I believe that grief is one of those times that you can live in the moment, you can... I call them grief attacks. Out of the blue, I'll get some memory, right? A song, a place. Whatever. Right. Something strikes me, Mm -hmm. and there's this wonderful quote um, by the... I think he was Greek... Achilles, Achilles, he's weird. He said, there's there's no pain so great as the memory of joy in the present grief. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So when you're thinking back over the happy times, you know, it, it's when you're remembering... It's a sting the, for today. Yeah, and you remember the loss yeah. of today. And so I allow them when they hit me, these me little well. grief attacks. And they usually last 30 seconds Maybe a full minute. You know, tears spring to the eyes. You blow I think my they're nose.
1: important, though. I think they're I a too. part of the process. And and I, you know, I've said this to you before that I believe everybody has their own baggage. We all have our own stuff. <laughs> I just have a, a, a unique way of organizing mine, <laughs> and I have a locker in the at the airport that's alphabetized of all my issues. And all when I need to go back, crap. That's right. <laughs> and when I need to go back, and I know when I have the time and space. And I think those slight moments. Of grief, whether it's in my car, listening to a song that pops up. Like uh, for me, it's uh, Three Times a Lady" by the Commodores. That's my that's my was my mom's song, right? Okay. So when so you hear that, when I you hear that, mom. Uh-huh. I yeah, I, I automatically spring to those Danny boy memories. Was my father's? See, yeah. like we all just, have something, yeah. and it's that it brings us those memories of joy. And I'm not I'm not so buried in grief that I can't feel those. And I'm very grateful for that because I do have a unique way of decompartmentalizing my life and my issues and knowing when the time and space is. I can deal and with so it. And so this
0: past weekend was an invitation was to it take ever. a look at some of the unfinished stuff with mama.
1: And I, yeah, I yeah. And I, what, and I, maybe not just mama, but maybe just also for uh, a lesson for me and my siblings you know, about future loss. loss, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what, Mm -hmm. uh, because my sister and I did have a conversation about this very thing at the funeral a couple of days ago. And I I think it was healthy because she said, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do it either. Like we were, we were just in a position where we couldn't do it. And I said, Yeah, by uh, vis-a-vis your mom, you mean doing something formalized around it. Yeah. And truth be told, We didn't get a funeral, but we were blessed with the ability to go see her whenever we wanted and go in her room and be with her, whereas it was only three months before that that nobody could do that in any hospital. So we got to do that, and that was important. She didn't die alone. She didn't die without seeing us. She got all those opportunities. Small blessings. Yeah, and that's what it was.
0: You've said many, many times, and you keep bringing it back, To the notion of gratitude. And it occurs to me that potentially one of the mm, I'm thinking of like a jack that you keep in the back of your car when your tire goes flat. Yeah. You mm, you get your jack out. But otherwise you don't think about the jack, right? And maybe maybe when grief hits, one of the ways in which we can, because it's kind of like your tire going flat, we can help ourselves is to be grateful. For the pain itself, I know that's almost impossible, but to be grateful for the pain because it's indicative of the love, the amount of love, right? And I know that's almost platitudinal, but where people go, oh, yeah, well, easy for you to say. Well, we've all experienced loss. And the difference is when I lost both my friends, I can honestly say that while I shed a few tears— When I was informed of their death, I had almost finished, if you will, the grief process. And so my ability to embrace the loss, really, to to befriend it, because you're never prepared, even if you know somebody's going to die and you kind of play out the scenarios in your head, it's never what you think it's going to be. But I think it was easier for me. I still miss Christina and some people listening to this broadcast. I know that, know her, still miss her. But it's a joyful missing. Yeah. And that, I think, is the, the gift in it the
1: pearl in it. It is. That is your pearl. We have these relationships with people. And when I was, I look back on the death of my mother and I wonder, I thought it, I thought I would be a lot Worse, if that makes any sense, like I thought I would be much more of a basket case. It does case. make sense, and I thought I would. Lo- I
0: thought I would miss Christina more than I have missed her.
1: But like, and I say this in you know absolute honesty uh, and the rawness of who I am. I had spent five years taking care of a very sick woman, and I was exhausted. Yeah. I was exhausted. I had no life other than work, sleep, take care of my mom. That was my life. So there was this light after she died that sort of entered my life of uh, this light of space. You know, my load was so much lighter, and, and I had all this m- much more light in my life where I could do other things and be healthier in that. Question. Did you
0: feel any guilt
1: no. in that? No, because I gave my mother everything okay. I okay. had for the last five years, okay. every single thing, and I, I never
0: sacrificed. It's almost like survivor guilt of children who have lost—and uh, they, and it's, I think— The guilt is a sense of regret that they didn't do more or that they weren't there more often or whatever. I didn't have any regrets. It sounds like you didn't
1: either. No, I I fulfilled my obligation, if if you would, like— and it wasn't an obligation. I did it one hundred percent out of spiritual love. level, if you will. I, I guess, yeah. I soul obligation or some such. I always told her at a very young age, I would never put you in a home. Never. Interestingly enough, about four years ago, she actually sat me at the table and made me promise that I would put her in a home if she got dementia. And she had, like, it was a very serious conversation to her. And she was like, I know you're very, you know, set in your ways and you don't want to, but Val, like if I have dementia and I start hitting you, you need to put me in a home. <laughs> and I was God like, yeah, bless. I guess. God but bless mom. For her. She
0: was a very practical woman. Very practical. Very practical, yeah.
1: Yeah, so she thought of these angles and, and how I would be with them, and uh-huh. I'd be like, no, no, you're not putting her in a home. But she she would have been right in uh, in those kind of aspects. But I I really think... We have these inner tools that were that tell us how to be like when when I am in that grieving process, and I also tend to be very creative, I might want to write something or I might want to write in my journal when I'm in those uh, those grief places Tender moments. yeah, and i i I liken it to a playlist that I have. And it's called Dark and Lovely because there is some things that are dark that are mm-hmm. just lovely. Sometimes grief is just that.
0: There's a wonderful song that if I heard it right now, God, we go to lyrics a lot. I know.
1: It's my go And go-to.
0: I, <clears throat> I can't remember the name of the singer now, and it's quite old, so it's back in the 80s. And I think it's called A Beautiful Sadness. And it's, it, I, I hear the opening bars, you know, and I'm a mess. I think what moved me most about the song was its title. Yes, the lyrics all fit. Yes, this beautiful sadness. And there is something potentially beautiful about the grief we feel if we look for it. Sometimes we just got to do a little digging.
1: And 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 sometimes that's that looks scary to do, and I understand that for people. But I think you you'd be surprised at what you find when you dig. You mm-hmm. usually find something really beautiful, not mm-hmm. something ugly and scary. You find something really beautiful once you wipe off the dirt.
0: I think that's a lovely place to leave it for today. Thank you for your raw honesty. I mean, I had tears Forgive in my, my eyes. Forgive my tears, everyone. <laughs> no, no, it was real. And so this episode wasn't ha-ha funny, and we hope you still take some little gems of of Val's raw wisdom with you this week. And if you are struggling at all with a sense of loss in your life about anything, maybe look for the... As they say, look for the positive, but that's so, you know, banal. Cliché. Yeah, it's, it's uh, stop for a moment, take a deep breath, and remind yourself of one thing you're grateful for, that that person or that job or whatever it is that you are feeling that loss about, one thing that you still hold from that person or that job.
1: There's um, always something, it the, just and takes there a is, more and, to look. and that's so funny because that's one of the things I do actively. Like, if I do have one of those uh, grief bombs, or you know, that just drop on you, uh, that <laughs> are, <Kapow>! yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, but I will say, thank thank you for being my mom. Thanks for being my mom because you made me who I am, and I really kind of like who I am. So yeah. thanks,
0: yeah, you know. Have a wonderful week everyone. I hope it's a joy-filled week.
1: I do as well. Please honor your own grief. If you if you are experiencing grief, talk to somebody. You know, help yourself, support yourself, be good to yourself. Most of all, just be nice. Be nice to yourself. Take a bubble bath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to some really nice Eat music. Chocolate. Lots That's of chocolate. My
0: cure for everything. Lots. And <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a great week,
1: everybody. I'm feeling myself.